0: This is Cass Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cass Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cass Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast of Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name's Lydia Cruz. I'm Maura Dooley. And thanks for hanging out. We're down a few members of the show today. Well, I considered Distiller Dane as a member of the show, but down uh, Justin today because they are on a very cool, very worthy work trip across the
2: across the to pond. To Italy. Yeah. I'm pretty jealous. Not going to lie. I, I don't know. I know work we... trips to Italy. Yeah. We need to ingrain ourselves a little more with heritage (laughs) distilling. What can I come do to get invited on these Italy trips? Exactly. I'm a great eater of pasta, uh,
1: (laughs) consumer of wine. If that is helpful to you guys at all, uh, please let me know. Uh, I'm available to freelance. But yeah, we're down, down a few members today. So missing them. They're here in spirit, hopefully enjoying exactly what we were talking about. Some great pasta, some great wine, and doing great work for heritage as always over there. But in the meantime, uh, you get me and Maura. We're hanging out for the entire hour with you. Coming up in Cast Club Radio today, we're going to, it's music festival season. So we're going to talk a little bit about how the drinks business has been integrated into music festivals, particularly Coachella, probably the biggest name music festival that's out there. Definitely. And um, so that's ahead. Also, Game of Thrones, the, f- the final season begins tomorrow. Wait. Oh, it's been on. We've we've literally had a countdown in our in our work uh, work area for I don't want to say like a hundred and sixty days. It was definitely in the hundreds. Yeah, yeah. So so we're pretty excited that that countdown is now to one. That's ahead later in the hour. We're going to talk about how drinks are incorporated, some ways to celebrate the final season, even in the Pacific Northwest local area. If you want to find friends and good drinks to do that. In the meantime, also going on this weekend, Maura. I thought you might appreciate this. This is National Grilled Cheese Day weekend. Oh. It was technically yesterday,
2: but people are you celebrating. Know it too well. For several days, right? Are you a big fan of the grilled cheese? I am. It's weird. I don't think I I don't really make them at home very often, but every now and then at a restaurant... Um, I do like it with, and I normally won't eat tomato soup by itself, but I do like the grilled cheese tomato soup combination as like a dip. Do you enjoy that? I'm, I'm not, but my
1: mom, huge fan. That was always, it's almost like her comfort yeah. food, her Midwest comfort food, I think a little bit. So yeah, she, she's been known to make some, some tomato soup and grilled cheese. I do think it's kind of interesting how the, the evolution of the grilled cheese is one food, which I think would have been described as, Back in the day, it's like you're making it with Wonder Bread and American cheese. And, mm-hmm. and the evolution and how it's grown into almost... There's gourmet uh, versions. Exactly. Uh, tr- made with truffle butter. And just the, the <laughs> creativity that's been uh, taken and the liberties are pretty impressive. In case you are looking to celebrate, I did find in the local area, they're having some, some celebrations of this. Mm. Including some free gr- grilled cheese that's being given out, which is pretty darn cool. Uh, if you're in the Ballard area... Free grilled cheese sandwiches. Populix Brewing in Ballard is going to celebrate the childhood nice. favorite by giving some out, and then maybe having a, a few beers as well over there. Let's go well together. Yeah, why not? And the Fremont Sunday Market also tomorrow, uh, celebrating National Grilled Cheese Day. There'll be lots of different options, including I'm I'm hearing a unicorn grilled cheese might be might be making an appearance, a rainbow kind of cool unicorn grilled cheese. Well, if, if you have, uh, if you get to experience that, please let me know. I would love to see the pictures. In the meantime, we do have some headlines going on this week.
2: Yes, first up, Pabst is brewing their own whiskey now, which I found interesting because I worked at restaurants for years and. PBR and a shot of whiskey is kind of like the kitchen code across the board. That's that's <laughs> what the cooks do when yeah. they get off work. And um, I think a lot of times it was Jameson and a PBR when I was working. But now they're going to have their own batch of whiskey. So you can, you can order both from the same brand. So you're not shocked or surprised by this at all. It's kind of a combination that works. It goes well together. I think it's a smart move for them. This article from Forbes.com about it says that in a fascinating move, the whiskey's aging statements note that the product was only aged for five seconds. So they're calling they're calling that the five-second rule. Oh, which wow. Is, um, <laughs> also kind of a shout-out to the restaurant industry, yes. I feel like. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, hopefully your server's yeah. not em- <laughs> employing the five-second rule. But it's interesting because I feel like it's an industry. It's very traditional that you want to age things for quite some time, and that age makes it better. So... Yeah. But I don't know. PBR is not the most premier beer on the market. Say so the higher I, epil- echelon. I or, don't know how to nicely say that. I think that's part of their <laughs> identity. The of beer.
1: Exactly, they revel in that. That's their identity. You're right. So maybe they're just uh, committing further to that identity, and m- it might appeal to a lot of people. We'll see. Maybe they're. Maybe it'll appeal to the younger crowd as well, who isn't so. Uh, caught up on this has to be the traditions x aged or yes the traditions of things well speaking of whiskey i also seeing as we work at a sports station uh as our day job and so we hear some of these headlines this was one that i came across on the sports side of things conor mcgregor apparently has a new whiskey proper number 12 i've seen it advertised on a lot of uh, a lot of sports stations but (laughs) unfortunately i've heard that it has got pretty much universally Panned oh, no. by anyone who's tri- tried it. We've talked He's on the show. He's Irish, so I thought he had that exactly. going for him, you know? Right? And we've talked on the show a lot about celebrities getting into the spirits, and wine, beer business, and they usually seem to be pretty darn successful with it. Ryan Reynolds being one of those names. I think Johnny Depp was another one. Uh, obviously, Siroc is with P. Diddy. There's a lot um, of people. George have, Clooney's been exactly, in the tequila, tequila business. A long business. Time. So a lot of people have, have found a lot of success in this, but. And he still might. Let's preface that as well. But um, McGregor launched this new brand, and this is from Business Insider. <laughs> he did not take to it and actually quoted a, a guru, Oscar Williams Grutt, who said, It smelled like ethanol and tasted only marginally better. A small initial sip was deceptively okay, but subsequent sniffers were like vanilla flavoring trying to cover up rubbing alcohol. Ooh. Yeah. So not exactly the glowing review that you're hoping to to get, at least when it first comes out. Um, But who knows? This might end up still working in McGregor's favor. His popularity seems to still be at an all-time high. Yeah.
2: I would think initially he'll get sales just off of his name alone. We'll see if they come back for more, if it really tastes that bad. it's
1: If name is really enough to sustain you or if your product actually needs to be good. (laughs) Coming up on Cast Club Radio, Coachella is one of the biggest music festivals in the country and maybe even the world at this point. It's pretty well known. Lots of celebrities always in attendance and the headliners pretty big named, but we want to focus specifically on how they've really incorporated food and beverage, the being on the cutting edge of both of those things and as well as wine and spirits. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us today. It is officially the start of music festival season, it feels like. Yes, they're all year round, but really it feels like Coachella kind of kicks things off in the music industry world. It's certainly one of the biggest named festivals out there. And it's sort of in recent years, in the last five to ten years, I think, really turned into more of a Hollywood celebrity like fashion Instagram show. type experience <laughs> exactly, yeah. but it also means that the food and beverage and wine and spirits side of it are equally impressive and on that level. Um, and they have been on the forefront of innovation because almost they've had to be mm-hmm. with you have to keep up with all these trendsetters exactly that are Instagramming everything that are going to be talking about your products on Instagram. So we wanted to discuss some of the cool things that are happening at Coachella. And really, at music festivals in general. First more, I'll just say, do you, do you have any experience? Have you ever been to a Coachella or any other type of music no, festival? No,
2: I'm kind of sad that I missed uh, Sasquatch maybe, here because I always heard that it was uh, so cool. Not, yes. But I've been to concerts, but never a music festival.
1: Sasquatch was was wonderful. Always, I think I went maybe three or four of the ten years that was in existence and a lot of fun. I met a lot of cool people. I don't remember the wine and beer part of it being such a huge portion of it and maybe it would have if it had continued going and growing knowing how much how important beer culture is in this area but also that maybe was one of the uh one of the things they could have capitalized more on unfortunately now we won't find out um i've been to a couple i've been to austin city limits in austin um always wanted to To experience Coachella, the music side of it, not so much the uh, uh, in the middle of the desert in Palm Springs uh, when it can be really hot, dusty part of it. But yeah, based on some of these cocktail and food offerings, I'm wishing we were there. That's for sure. We'll start on the drink side of things because the creativity, I think, in what they're offering uh, it's not just a simple, you're going to get a beer and a house glass of wine no. at Coachella by any means. So you you mentioned it right off the top, but one of the things you were excited about was the kombucha bar.
2: Yeah, I noticed uh, this place that's going to be out at Coachella, Beer Belly's Rare Beer Bar. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but they have apparently a version of hard kombucha. Which wow, I have never tried an alcoholic kombucha before. I mean, I know there's. They say there's very small, like point five percent trace yes. amounts in any kombucha because it's fermented. Mm-hmm. But um, I've never tried one that actually has alcohol placed into it. Into have you? It.
1: No, no. I think my mom would be very into that. She loves. Uh, Both of those things separately. So um, I'm going to have to tell her about this. She might be kind of excited.
2: You can kind of trick yourself into thinking that it's somewhat healthy.
1: Yeah you're right. It's like it's tea. (laughs) It's tea right. They also have a lot of it seems these craft cocktails either prepared in batches sort of uh, like what you can get at the ballpark if you're You know, want to try the Heritage Distilling cocktail at the ballpark here in T-Mobile Park. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they get caught up on the old name. That's what I was looking for. But um, it seems to be kind of a trend there at Coachella. There's one place called Craft on Draft, which I I really like. They've got uh, several different craft cocktail curators working together. They're even called cocktail engineers, which I really like, Mm -hmm. that work to create different types of craft spirits that use a lot of cold-pressed juices and locally farmed produce infusions, even live fermentation. So that's going back to almost the cultures wow. or the uh, kombucha element or aspect of it. Housemade bitters, botanicals, teas, and fresh herbs. So that definitely sounds a little uh, Hollywood to me. Yeah. Uh, was that is that almost even too fancy for you? Is that what you'd be interested in?
2: Yeah. Is it going to get to, like, what were the drinks we were talking about at the Oscars where oh, it was, yes. like, served in a golden egg Works or something? Like, is it going to get to that point at
1: Coachella? <laughs> and you're, like, maybe 15 minutes later, you're still waiting for your drink beverage. And you're, like, yes, this is beautiful, but it's also a I I also want to enjoy the show. I know. I'm missing the concert right now. Another place that uh, seems interesting, it's called Block Party. So a lot of these are already featured places in the Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area. This uh, features three-time L.A. Best bartender award winner Jason Eisner, and they create some some craft cocktails. And I looked up their menu, and they not only look pretty varied, but just really interesting. So they actually call themselves a modern beer garden, but they serve a lot of craft cocktails that are not only good-sounding, but beautiful-looking. One of them being, well, first of all, they've got froze, so they've sold me on that. Yes, and- I'll be there. <laughs> um, they seem they do a froze and a summer sangria, which are always good bets if you're um out at a hot festival. I think they have a chalada con paleta, which is Ooh, basically- very nice. Lydia. Oh, thank you. <laughs> which is a blonde ale, lime, habanero bitters, and salted watermelon paleta. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I was like, wow! That's I'm. I feel like I'm in a summer. I'm in summer. Just like yeah. just hearing about and it. I've
2: never heard a twist on a michelada like that. That's awesome.
1: Yes. So they do. Yeah, you mentioned it. The micheladas and snow cones is another big thing of theirs. So imagine these also in just snow cone form. They do a frozen margarita and then a michelada nine zero zero four two, which I'm guessing is maybe their zip zip code. It's not quite nine zero two one zero, but Cucumber Crush, Spicy Tomato Sangrita, HLP Sauce. I'm not sure what that is. A you bartender knowledge. Maybe it's something made in-house there. Salt yeah. and ice. But that sounds pretty
2: darn good, too. Oh, my gosh. I'm really <laughs> upset that we can't go. I know. We're going to have to explore the new summer exactly. cocktails in our area because I'm jealous now. <laughs> well, it seems
1: frozen. I mentioned the Froze. They also seem to have a plenty of just like frozen cocktails in general out there. Which isn't a shocker to me. A Cupcake Vineyards is one of the place one of the places, and they'll uh, they'll make frozen wine cocktails for you out at Coachella.
2: That's awesome because you know in the summer I tend to drink more white wine because red wine feels really heavy. Yes, but yeah. um, if you can if they can do frozen cocktails with red wine and you know it's like a little red wine sangria or slushy or yeah that's I'd awesome. also
1: have been known to make a good frosé and uh, frozen peach Bellini peach. I never turned down a Bellini either. There's a cool element too to the food side. Of course, if you can expect anything that is in the LA area, they're going to have great, delicious food. They're going to probably have an element that's very healthy, but also they do have some just delicious sounding uh, fried food. So you can get both sides of the spectrum. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, anything that you could possibly dream up. They've
2: got it from burgers, gourmet PB and J's, from burgers and
1: fries <laughs> to sushi to yes, gourmet PB and J's, which sounds amazing, and also some dessert options that will uh, make your stomach rumble. I thought this was interesting. They're really trying to incorporate a lot of the mobile experience into music festivals these days. So not only interacting with um, your artists and uh, your scheduling everything online, but also with your food, and maybe eventually one day with your drinks. Because uh, now they're incorporating at Coachella Postmates, so essentially you could order your food ahead of time, and uh, get it delivered to a specific location at the festival. Then <laughs> go pick
2: it up at the scheduled time. I guess people camp and have tents, right? So yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy.
1: Yeah, it's and they're trying to incentivize people to do it. So obviously they they really want it. And actually, I mentioned or incorporating the drink part. They do allow you to order beer, wine, sangria, margaritas, and vodka cocktails through this app. So, wow. That's the future.
2: That's an efficient music music festival. (laughs) I know.
1: If you or someone you know are headed to Coachella either this weekend or next weekend, because it is two weekends, uh, and you can report back on any of these food or drink options, please let us know. We'd love to hear reviews or see photos, because I'm sure they are definitely Instagram-worthy. Give us a review uh, online at heritagedistilling.com. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, every spirit has a story. That is Heritage's mantra, their motto. Even every part of the design, when you walk into a Heritage location, has been carefully thought about.
2: Coming up next, we'll talk to the man behind those designs and behind Heritage Distilling's new waterfront tasting room remodel.
1: Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now we are joined by Darren Feiland, the architect behind all of everything you see with Heritage, both the distilleries, the tasting rooms. Darren, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Uh, Absolutely. We're really interested to know, well, first of all, how did you start working with Heritage? Because this has been a partnership that's uh, several years in the making.
0: Well, I think it starts back uh, with our wives, Justin's uh, wife Jennifer and my wife Eliza. They were, uh, I think, attending a birthday party at some point back in about 2010 or 2011. Our oldest, uh, well, their oldest child and and our youngest actually are the same age, and and I think they were uh, in grade school together. That's how we, we came to know Justin and Jennifer a bit. And I think it started with just a brief conversation uh, of Jennifer wanting maybe to uh, have an architect help them out with maybe a little remodel on their house, and that ultimately led to a couple of conversations with Justin and myself. And it it wasn't a house they were talking about. It was the idea of starting a distillery. And so uh, we talked, and from there it was... um, I think a, a good relationship, we've become really good friends over the years, and uh, we we have a lot of trust in one another, and and uh, I think we sort of feed off of one another in regards to the creative ideas, and, and it's just been a great uh, friendship and working relationship uh, going back all the way to 2011. So in that first one, uh, the flagship, what we call it uh, in Gig Harbor, uh, was sort of a labor of love. The mm-hmm. budgets were low, the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the passion was high and we had our tool belts on and we worked uh, pretty tirelessly that spring and summer to get uh, that flagship opened and uh, you know the story from there has been uh, uh, always upwards and uh, they've just been coming up with new uh, creative sort of marketing ideas and and different products uh, since then. It's just been a fantastic ride to be a part of and and I've been growing as an architect. Uh, It's not quite the projects that I I was involved with uh, throughout my career, doing a lot of educational work, some residential. Uh, so it's a completely new thing for, for me and, and our company. So um, it's been fantastic.
1: Wow. Yeah. And that was actually my next question, if you had any experience in the past, but that answers it. So when you got together and you decided to enter into this creative venture with that first flagship store, what about what was Justin's vision for what he wanted to create, Justin and Jennifer's vision?
0: Well, I think at the time, again, I, I don't necessarily want to put words in his mouth because I think he he um, can expand upon this um, in great detail more so but, yeah. than I can. But uh, I think at the time they were they were looking to you know have a, a distillery with, with products um, that um, you know would not only feed that local market, but I think he always had a kind of a grand vision for it to think about it maybe. Uh, in a general sense to have products that would relate and speak to a larger audience and at that time I I think they were they were experimenting with a few things and and there was a lot of lessons to be learned there's a lot of uh, products that we started with that are no longer sort of part of what heritage makes today and Mm-hmm. and we all sort of <laughs> grew together i think one of the things that uh, has stuck around has actually become even stronger today is is cask club yeah. and that was something we talked about uh, from the inception uh, to have a smaller 10 liter cask that customers could age their own their own products in and be a part of that process of um, not only what goes in the cask uh, but uh, how it ages and the sampling and how you downproof it and, and sort of flavor profiling the spirits to your liking. And when I first saw the cask, uh, what came to me was that, um, my prior experience to looking at casks was they were either used at some point in the past for wine or for beer or spirits and then they were repurposed into something else. Whether it's lawn furniture or a planter or something. And, here, I, I sort of dawned on me that the cask really had a primary purpose. And so uh, talking with Justin and Jennifer, I, I think we kind of realized that we should be using them only for that primary purpose, that they, there was sort of a truth to be told there that they shouldn't be used for planters, they shouldn't be used for other sort of repurposed ideas that will celebrate them as uh, their primary purpose. And so those casks became sort of the signature of when you walk into a heritage, that the array of casks, the nameplates of the customers and those that are, that are cask club members became sort of the backbone for the look and feel of walking into the space. And then hence sort of was born out of that, the, the darker backgrounds of the cabinetry and the paint colors so that the cast themselves, that signature oak, and the metal staves, those were all uh, celebrated. They were highlighted within the space.
1: And Cast Club has been one of those things that has stuck with heritage no matter where they have expanded to, which is now several places. And here in Seattle, up uh, near us, we have the Capitol Hill location. We have the Ballard location. What goes into some of the different design elements when it comes to designing a distillery versus designing a tasting room?
0: Well, looking at the the larger sort of production distilleries, uh, Heritage has actually I think we have three now with what we call the flagship here at Gig Harbor where we have our main pot still, Nona, and full sort of production capabilities. Uh, We have a similar sort of setup down in Eugene, Oregon. And then our Ballard location actually has a a full operating still there. It's not uh, as large of a production there but we can also uh, distill products there too. The other locations it's more of a a smaller like in Roslyn we do uh, some smaller micro stills we have those in a few locations but uh, it's not at quite the large scale. So in designing the what we call like a tasting room or a smaller distillery it's more of a focus on the customer experience. Uh, The cast club Uh, The tastings, uh, we're finding more now in the spaces that it's important to have social space for people to sit uh, and enjoy their samples, uh, just to converse, uh, have conversation. So more emphasis is put on, um, on spaces for the customers as opposed to at the main distillery where we need real production space for operations.
2: And I know that you've been currently working on a remodel for HDC's waterfront tasting room. What is it that you're trying to accomplish in changing there?
0: Well, the waterfront, what we call the waterfront location actually isn't on the waterfront, but it's located (laughs) uh, down at the um, uh, the very walkable downtown Gig Harbor's sort of view basin along the Harborview Drive. And the original location, that was our our second actual location, uh, we opened that up in, uh, I believe it was actually Halloween is when we first opened that in 2014. And since then, it has been a real success in sort of teaching us uh, the value of these uh, retail locations in local markets. It allows us to create a space where we can promote the brand and and educate uh, our customers uh, in regards to the uh, the products that we make are full complement of products from the vodkas, the gins, and the various whiskeys to the BSB. So it becomes so popular uh, in Cass Club uh, as well that we sort of ran out of space. And there was an adjacent tenant space next door to this that encompassed about another uh, 1,500 square feet or so. And when the opportunity came, about that we could uh, take on that space as well and add it into, um, Justin and Jennifer sort of jumped at that opportunity to do that. So our plan was basically to expand that uh, retail tasting room to include more uh, of those spaces that we talked about for customer uh, enjoyment experience of the product. So we have uh, additional seating for about another 28 to 30 people Uh, The idea of uh, serving uh, some of the samples, what we call the Bavandas, which in essence is much like a cocktail, is uh, we have a full bar now set up to be able to um, provide staff with the infrastructure and the necessary equipment to be able to serve the customers from that standpoint. We've expanded the Cast Club because it's premium space that the uh, customers want to have their cask out in front where they can celebrate their their plaque on the cask and how they've Definitely. named the cask. They, yeah. they want to be front and center for their friends <laughs> to see that. So we've taken um, the cask club from 180 slots up to uh, about 252, so wow. more spots there. And then we've also increased the uh, what we we talk about a uh, a growler uh, spirits growlers and that idea was born at the waterfront location where you can have a bottle that you can get filled up with your favorite spirit and then bring it back and then uh, you can have it filled up again for a slightly better price than buying a brand new bottle and so you you um, get some repeat customers in that and and uh, save a little bit on your spirits pricing too, which is good. And so we've got a new growler station that allows the staff to be able to fill those bottles on display a little bit easier. It's a little more automated. That was something that we developed for the Roslyn location that we're now going to implement down here at the waterfront location. And then, again, Gig Harbor is very walkable. It's a fantastic little town, especially in the in the fair weather months and so one of the storefront opportunities on the existing building that we've repurposed the windows to um, replace the the old storefront with a new operable large scale operable window that pulls up out of the way and there's a nice little tasting counter that sits there and and customers can sit at the window at the window um, uh, open and, and converse with friends walking by on the sidewalk, so it has a little better indoor-outdoor connection. So, all those improvements are now scheduled for uh, for this uh, location.
1: That's pretty exciting, and I'm sure many more exciting things that will come about of this of this partnership between you guys as well, Darren. Before we let you go, and thank you so much for joining us. I know you're busy, but. What is your favorite drink of choice? You've probably gotten to sample a few over the years at Heritage. What is your go-to uh, Heritage spirit or uh, or just favorite cocktail, too, to make with it?
0: Well, over the years, I think my tastes have evolved. I don't think <laughs> that I was much of a spirits drinker uh, early on. And obviously, with my association with Heritage, I, I think we started off, I, I did enjoy some of the, uh, the early vodkas that Heritage was making. And and uh, and then, obviously, when BSB came on the market, I really liked that. But I think my go-to is BSB 103.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, yes. It, nice.
0: Yes, it's fantastic. I like the little extra high-octane kick to it. I <laughs> can't drink as much of it, but uh, I do enjoy it.
1: Darren, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking time to tell us about a little of the history behind the actual physical aesthetics and location heritage distilling because each location is very special and if you've ever been to one uh you you know that so thank you so much for taking the time we really appreciate it
0: well thank you both
2: coming up next on cast club radio it's finally here tomorrow the last season of game of thrones begins we're going to talk about some fun game of thrones themed events going on around town that you can check out and of course leave you with a cocktail for the week that's next on cast club radio
1: Club Radio. In a few minutes, we've got a brand new cocktail recipe for you. But first, it's the day that Mora and I and a lot of America has been waiting for. it. the final season of Game of Thrones. The last one ever begins tomorrow. And there's a lot of excitement out there. I can't I believe think. it's here. It's pretty palpable. I'm both excited and saddened, I think, because it is sort of a bittersweet moment in pop culture history because this is the final season. It it won't be over. Even when we had to wait 100 plus days and we had the countdown calendar going in our sports pit, it it still felt like there's excitement leading up to it. And then once these seven episodes are over, it's done. It's done for good. Then the darkness sets in. Then winter is just here forever. (laughs) But we thought we'd get you excited if you are a Game of Thrones fan. Maybe you're not uh, full all out nerdy like we are um, and... Maybe had a Game we, of Thrones fantasy may team, or may not team draft yesterday. Don't worry about it. Uh, we may have <laughs> worn costumes. Yeah, it's not a big deal. But uh, we want to get you ready for Game of Thrones season, whether you're a huge fan or maybe you just like to casually watch, you have a friend or you just appreciate great food because there's a lot of places
2: here in the Pacific Northwest
1: that are jumping in on this and uh, are getting involved with friends. I was
2: really surprised when you showed me this. Yeah, but it's awesome how many events there are around town. It's a thing, man. People
1: wanting to get in on it. So if you are a huge fan of uh, brunch, you can start off with, (laughs) Maura, do you want to describe this one? (laughs)
2: Well, at um Ato in Ballard, they're calling it a a blood-soaked brunch. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get it yeah. because of the Game of Thrones tie-in, that the Red Wedding tie-in, mm-hmm. but it's um <laughs> I don't know how appetizing it is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that so the, the person
1: behind this said uh Eric Chef Eric Rivera of, of the Ballard location said, people are expecting turkey legs and things like that, but I'm working on a little more abstract ideas with simulated blood, smoke, fire, and dragons. Now they did this is for, impressive. for weeks throughout April. So leading up to this, so they, he's been doing it for a couple of weeks and every week has had almost a different theme. So it's still going on though. You gotta, I bet this weekend's is probably pretty epic since it is the actual premiere date.
2: Yeah, it's going to be busy. If you want to go tomorrow, you should probably make a reservation. Yeah,
1: probably get in there. (laughs) Well, if you want some actual company to watch Game of Thrones, because that's the thing. I think sometimes it's almost a better social viewing experience. I've watched by myself and I've watched with friends. And watching with friends is infinitely more fun. But if you don't have anybody that immediately comes to mind, you can join along. And uh, there's going to be a viewing party all season long at Big Time Brewery and Ale House. So you can join in because, again, the viewing experience, there's something about it when you can hear the same gasps and uh, screams and disappointment. Go through your conspiracy theories. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, also have a great drink while you're at it. Why not? It's free. It's free once you get in the door and then, of course, paying for your beverages. But
2: that seems fun. Yeah. I like that idea. I've mostly watched Game of Thrones with other people. I think you do kind of need to talk through it sometimes. There's, yes. it, it can go slow for a little while and then stuff gets real.
1: And let's be honest, the, sometimes you need almost like a Rolodex of, to keep track of all the characters yes. and all the different storylines. So sometimes having a, a person next to you can help you out with that. Definitely. Finally on this list, if you are a Mariner's fan and you're also a Game of Thrones fan, then you're in luck. You can combine both of these. The Mariners are hosting a G.O.T. trivia night for the Game of Thrones fans or hashtag for the Thrones during a home game in May. They've done this in the past before where they've done Game of Thrones themed nights. They've had the actual like Iron Throne out there like in the outfield where you could sit down and take a picture nice. on the Iron Throne before they've done uh, at other ballparks. they've I've seen they've done Game of Thrones themed bobbleheads with certain players, which is really fun. But the Mariners going to host a game of Triv- or a Game of Thrones trivia nights at a home game in May, and you can buy tickets for that online. Basically, anywhere from thirty to forty five dollars. You would get a limited edition Game of Thrones Mitch Haniger bobblehead. So they actually are giving All one right. of those away. So that seems like a pretty good deal to me. Thirty dollars, you get to you know nerd out with your friends. A Mitch Haniger Game of Thrones bobblehead, not bad. No, not
2: I bad. like. I love all of the bobbleheads, but the themed ones are even better. I agree. And
1: you'll feel very special because, like, not that many people will have them. So uh, it's pretty cool. Make sure you get down to T-Mobile Park and you can get those tickets online. In the meantime, we've got a brand new cocktail recipe for you this week if
2: you'd like to enjoy something at home. Yeah, this one is pretty simple. It's called the Huckleberry Hound. You just combine everything in a shaker. It's two ounces of Heritage Distilling's Huckleberry Vodka. Four ounces of grapefruit juice, and you put that in a shaker with ice, shake it up, strain it into a tumbler, and you can garnish it with a grapefruit twist. It sounds pretty. A little sweetness uh, to get you started here in the spring. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Huckleberry is a very Pacific Northwest thing, too, because yeah. I grew up on the East Coast, and I didn't know what a huckleberry was when I moved here. Is it just, you, what was your first try experience? Honestly, when I was working at, I mean, pretty late when I was working at the art museum, not that long ago um, at the restaurant there, I was like, what's a huckleberry? And everyone looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) You must be from out of town. Well,
1: yeah, this sounds like a good way, whether you are on the East Coast to to get acclimated in drink version and drink form. So this recipe will be posted online at heritagedistilling.com, where you can check out past recipes as well. You can also download episodes
2: of the podcast there. And as we mentioned earlier, if anyone did get to Coachella and checked it out or if you participate in any of these Game of Thrones themed events, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Let us know what you thought. We are at Hats Club Radio. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for hanging out this week. As always, uh, enjoy drinks. Have a,
1: a safe weekend with friends and family. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.